0: Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. So this month is a month of um, people either being really, really happy or really, really not happy. So we, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can help discern whose company we're in. So the Lord says, don't, be act, don't act frivolous and laugh or guilt someone else into laughing if things in their life are sad. The Christian is to acclimatize their self spiritually to the person they're sitting next to. So sometimes we just walk in there, maybe feel with the joy of the Lord. But in that moment, you don't want to say, smile, it's a good day. It's the last thing you want to do. A Christian is to come in and sense what is happening in this room, adjust their self to it, and then try to minister to it, right? We are on call 24-7. We don't work near as much as we ought to. When you're in the grocery store, we need to be aware that there's people walking right past us that are in the deepest, darkest depression of their life. And, you know, I was reading a scripture this week that said, when the bridegroom comes, let the good servant be the one who is busy doing. Now, that's paraphrased in Melody's lingo. That is busy doing for him. So that really doesn't let off the children. It doesn't let off. The older folk, it doesn't let off any age group. He said, Let let the Son of God, let the Son of Man, when he comes, find that the people, a good servant, is doing for him. And then he goes on to say, Don't be tired when the Son of Man comes. Don't be tired of doing. He wants you to do. And he said, he said, especially don't be tired of doing so that you start beating your servants. Maybe sometimes we just beat people with our lips. That you're beating your servants, that you're talking down to people. Don't let the Son of Man come when you're um, eating and drinking and not busy doing for him. Does that let off any particular group of people? All we have to do is obey the things that he told us. And he said, don't let yourself get so tired that you're not busy doing. For when the Son of Man comes, do not let him find you not doing. And that was just, I, I loved it because it was more than a warning. It was a confirmation when you were doing, you think, "Okay, well, at least I'm doing." I sometimes we think, "I'm behind. I'm running behind. I haven't witnessed anybody this whole week." I've been praying, I'm just trying, you know. Just be doing something. He didn't say what he says. Do the things that I've commanded. This is the New Testament. So when you're looking for things to do, make sure you're going there. It's a different dispensation. We no longer have to ask God to stretch forth his hand. We have God in us, and we're to stretch forth our hand. There's things that don't cross over from the old to the new because we are in the dispensation where the Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every one of us. I just want to tell you this in closing. When Jesus left, his last words were, I'm going to go. I'm leaving you. And his disciples were sad. Can you imagine? They were so sad. They were like, did we waste all this time? What is going on? They, had, they couldn't figure it out. And he said, I know you're sad, but it's better for you if I go. Now, how many would rather have Jesus here in person beside you? I mean... Wouldn't we all say, oh, if I could just get him standing right in front he wouldn't go, I I would time down. You know, how many would, Jesus said, it's better for you if I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send you the comforter. And he's going to come in my name. Okay? Now, the comforter is with you. You're not taking full advantage of the comforter. Are you using the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is what come on Jesus when he did miracles. The Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit came upon him. He did miracles. What about the apostles? The Holy Spirit came upon But what about Moses and Abraham? The Bible says the Holy Spirit came on them when they did these things. It's like having a computer and just playing tic-tac-toe on it. All these things the Holy Spirit can do. We're not the least bit interested. We just want to play tic-tac-toe. Oh, let me just witness to somebody if they ask me about church. Let me just say something good if someone reminds me about the Lord. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is here not to just comfort you, but to teach you all the things you need to know. And to remind you of all the things Jesus said, are you using the Holy Spirit like you should? It's here. Pay attention to the New Testament. You need to know how to activate every part of the Holy Spirit and release the Holy Spirit in you till you are you and the Holy Spirit are one. And when you stretch forth your hand to heal, that's what happens. So I just want to remind you the Holy Spirit is so much more than any of us are even paying attention to. We need to move into that and ask the Holy Spirit, teach me all the things I need to know. You'll notice that the days you ask the Holy Spirit that, that's what happens. So don't be looking for the whole God to do all these things. You're supposed to be doing this stuff because the Holy Spirit is supposed to be full in you, running over, spilling into the masses as you walk by. This is not about um, condemnation. This is about the joy that you can have in Him. God bless you all.
1: Amen, that was refreshing, so timely. As she was making those remarks, I thought to myself, I've lived to see the day where the comforter seems to come sometimes as the discomforter. Whoa, to them that are at ease where? Let's stand together. We're going to dismiss the uh, young people, children that are having Sunday school classes. God bless you, God bless our teachers, and uh, for the rest of you that are here today, I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter number four. Uh, I'm going to read uh, 11 verses, just be patient, and um, here, we honor our, honor my wife's parents, they're a sweet and lovely couple, they drive 100 miles to come be with us every so often in service. And they have a church of their own uh, there in Charlotte. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, or he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, huh? I thought you prayed and fasted to get rid of the devil. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If, everybody say, If, yeah. if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It, everyone say, It. Yeah. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city. Setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If, would you say, if? if? If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered. Oh, let me tell you, I can't wait till the devil gets out of the way so the angels can show up. Hallelujah. I want to preach from the subject this morning, the land of if. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of God, for the power of the Holy Ghost, for the work of your spirit, for what you're going to do in this house today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so here we are. Many of us are in the land of if today. The land of if is when the devil tries to turn your certainties into question marks. The devil's if versus the Lord Jesus and his it. Let me say this this morning. If anyone is having, if anyone is in the wilderness of temptation, And the devil keeps asking you who your daddy is, it isn't because he doesn't know. Turn to your neighbor and say, The devil knows who you are. But what the devil wants to know is, Do you know who you are? Who's on the Lord's side this morning? Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap if you, if you know. Maybe if you just think you know who you are, you're on your way. Praise God. So he doesn't want you to know. The minute that you know who you are, your wilderness days are over. Identities are forged in the furnace of wilderness challenges. How many of you had some kind of a courtship before you married the person that you married? Right? I hope not. What? What'd you do? Surely you weren't a catalog bride. But what we know, those of us know this, that when we're in courtship, we're presenting the best possible side of ourselves that we can. (laughs) What we will find out is we really will not discover who each other is until we are pressed or fired in the furnace, as it were, of challenge and struggle and disappointment. And that is when character emerges. But I want to say this for those of you that have, have been maybe sometimes we're appalled at our own selves, okay? When we didn't think we had that in us. Look, don't give up on yourself even if you've disappointed yourself. If the trials of life has brought out things in you that you hated in other relatives, don't despair. God knows what he's doing. The refine, when the gold is melting, oh, yeah. the refiner is nearby. Right. Yeah. God has a plan to develop us through our uh, wilderness and to help us understand who we are. Praise God. And so the wilderness is the land of ifs. Think about it. Life is a. Uh, Among other things, it's a series of projections, Uh, something you want to be, something you want to do, somewhere you want to visit. And uh, it's a series of projections and maybe forecasts, Uh, things, uh, maybe some of you want to jump out of an airplane. I hope you plan to bring a parachute with you if you do but don't ask me to go along because I'm not interested. Some of you want to climb Mount Everest. Well, my wife and I have climbed climbed it a 100 times on videos. (laughs) But here's the problem. Our projections and dreams and forecasts about the future, about our present, even about our past, will either become your paradise or your prison. Satan wants to imprison you in the land of if. And he wants to keep you out of the land of it is. Matter of fact, there is an island off the coast of France called the Island of If. How many's ever read the story or seen the movie of The Count of Monte Cristo? That scene, that story takes place on the island of If. The island of If has a massive structure on it that first was built as a fortress but later became a prison. It's France's equivalent of San Quentin, uh, uh, no, uh, um, Alcatraz. Alcatraz, they're off of uh, the coast of San Francisco. And so I want to, let me just say this. Like I said, your, your estimate, your forecast, your projections of who you want to be and, and dream of being or think you are or, or hope you are will either become your paradise, or it will become your prison. It will either become your fortress, or it will uh, restrain and confine you. See, the setting of the Count of Monte Cristo is about a man who became, who was a prisoner, who escaped and became a, a prince of sorts, right? We won't go into all of that. But one visitor who visited this island and saw the structure said this, and I quote, I was struck by how cold it was in there. The walls were so thick that even though the prison was was fully exposed to sunlight, there were no windows. The rooms were dark, and it was cold. And he said, I wonder what it must have been like to have been a prisoner in a place like that. And some of the information literature about this fortress on the prison on the island of If, it said this, that most uh, prisoners that were brought there would be dead within nine months because of the cold. Slowly but surely, the cold would have its way with the human body and they would end up unable to warm themselves and, uh, and they would perish. Perish. I want to say this the devil doesn't want you to die quickly he wants you to die spiritually slowly he wants you to suffer he wants you to freeze to death Jesus said that in the last days the love of many will wax cold well I got news for coldness we got a fire burning at the worship place and we're going to keep that fire burning until Jesus comes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so Satan wanted, now listen to me, Satan's plan is to create a prison for free men. If Satan had the audacity to try to entrap Jesus in the prison of, of, of confusion concerning who he was, don't you think he's gonna to try to do the same thing to you and you and you and me? How do you, how do you create a prison of free men? You get them to think things about themselves that isn't true. Oh my God. You wanna know something that's true today? You were redeemed, not with silver or gold but with the precious blood of Jesus. Don't you know that? He owns you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are not your own if you're born again of water and spirit. He owns you. So when the devil tries to challenge who you are, point him to Jesus. So you're going to have to take it up with him. He bought me by his blood. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Oh, Holy Ghost power. And so my, uh, the, 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 the thrust of my message this morning is to visit with you this principle that God has established in his word. And it's the principle of mediation. And you know the scripture that said there's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus well, there's another mediator when you study the Bible, and there may be many, many others, but just for the sake of this message, what is the mediator between the spirit and the body or between the promises and the execution and the fulfillment of them? How many believe in God for stuff that hasn't happened yet? How many would like to be helped to understand maybe, just maybe, there's a way to discover where the interference lies and what to do about it. We're going to talk about that. So in the wilderness, if the wilderness is the land of ifs and it's in the place, uh, and it's, you know, it's an in-between place, Jesus had to pass through it. And so will you and I. I'm talking about the principle of mediation. Let me just, let me just... uh, just resort for a moment to just things that i think we all know how about the miracle of sight i'm not going to present myself to be someone who understands all of this but i do know this that gray matter between your ears there is dark and in the theater of the mind photons are taken in through the eyes and somehow it's coded in such a way that it can travel through nerves. It can reach some place in the back part, the dark, you know, theater of the mind. There's no windows. But somehow, in the mind, it's recreated. And I can see you and recognize, and you can recognize me. And so there's a mediator between the world outside of us And the world that we recognize as we see it. Does everyone follow me? It it looks it looks like, you know, there's nothing between us, but there is. It's all happening here. What's there is here being reconstructed somehow. So that the mind is the mediator between the world and our perception of the world. And in the same way, take the miracle of love. How about this? You get you're introduced to someone. You engage in a conversation. There might be a visual attraction, and you find areas of compatibility, and and all of these ingredients are kind of like mixed, like an apothecary would mix uh, a a healing balm. But then it's sent where to the heart, and it's in the heart that you decide whether you love somebody or you don't. Sometimes your mind will warn you, be careful. And let me say this to teenagers. Well, they may not be here. Yeah, we have some here. Listen to your mom and dad. If they smell a skunk, they got some experience. But you know what I mean. You cannot like somebody and love them. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Listen to Jesus. He said, love your who? Mm-hmm. But it has to happen here. So the heart is the mediator. See, the heart is the mediator between who you love and what you love and what you don't. And then there's, of course, the miracle of the Incarnation. So here's the creator of the universe. The creator whose plan for man from the very beginning was going to hinge upon mediation. One mediator between God and men, the man. Jesus Christ was the lamb slain after the fall in the Garden of Eden. Before the foundation of the world. God said, I'm gonna make them and then I'm gonna become like them and I'm gonna do for them what they cannot do for themselves. So watch this. In the beginning, the word was made sound and God said, let there be life. And then in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh. And then Jesus said, like my wife mentioned, I go away, but I won't leave you as orphans because the comforter's gonna come. And so he said, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. So now, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God But how can they hear except someone preach? So the word was first made sound off the lips of the Almighty. Now it's an echo in the lips of man. Now man has become the mediator of the word of God to a fallen world. Okay, now watch this. So the word was tabernacled in flesh in John 1 and 1. But Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, amen. And this comforter that's gonna come to you is going to come in my name. So the spirit, my God, was tabernacled in flesh in Jesus Christ and then it's tabernacled again in the body of Christ, the church of the living God. So let me tell you something. You are the Jesus that people are going to see and hear and watch. And so now, as it is in the spirit realm, uh, so it is with the soul and body. And I want to talk about this relationship between the spirit man, between the soulish man, and between the world of things and 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 bodies and things that we're waiting on God to do. How many needs God to do something? Boy, y'all pretty good shape. <laughs> now, back to our text. Just to notice, look at how differently the word of God is applied by two princes. You have the prince of darkness, you have the prince of peace. They're face to face. The prince of darkness says it's written. Prince of darkness says, hey, the Bible says, angels will take care of you. Command stones to be made bread. Did it in Moses' day, so to speak. Here's how the prince of darkness talks. If it's the word of God. Basically, if it's true, then do this, do that. Jesus said, it is the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Is it, or it is? Is it, or it is? Uh, It's either is it, or it is. My God, hallelujah. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. If you believe the report of the Lord, give him a hand clap of praise. So now I want to read to you Mark 11 and 24. Jesus said this. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. When you ask God for something in prayer and you believe, you must believe that you receive. Not will receive, but have received. Oh, but that sounds a little self-deceptive to me. A lot of things sound like a lot of things till you understand till you get to an understanding of how the spirit realm works. What does Jesus mean? It means something like this, like Paul said, he who was rich became poor so that he could make many rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, in the things of the spirit, if you have faith, you are already rich. You are so rich that you don't even have the capacity to grasp the vastness of your domain. Because it is exceeding abundantly above, there's those superlatives again, all that you could ask or think. Now shout it out I'm rich. I'm rich in faith. My God, hallelujah. Now watch this. Here's the problem. You can be rich in the spirit realm. But if your soul is still in the wilderness, you're living in poverty. The soul is the mediator. The promises of God are yay and amen the immediacy of his promise to you in the spirit is now is the accepted time. Today. Well, why is it that I have believed for God to do things now? And it's been 20 years and it hasn't happened yet. Because God isn't working magic. He's forming Identities. And he's not, watch this, he's not going to let his promise. He said to Abraham that your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand by the seashore. And he died with, he, look, he'd hardly had the money to put his wife in a decent grave. He died basically just a stranger and a wanderer. And his children end up going into Egypt for 400 years and when they come out of egypt after 400 years they spent 40 years in the wilderness what's going on i thought he promised abraham ages ago that all that land was theirs what's happening i'll tell you what's happening he's forging a nation he's creating an identity he's creating a people He's creating a force to be reckoned with. My God, in the name of... You have no idea what God's got going on, amen, in your wilderness experience. But I promise you this. If Moses had to go through the wilderness, if Jesus had to go through the wilderness, who do we think we are? If we're going to get God to bypass the soul and go straight from the promise to the presence... It's not going to happen that way. Whatever you get in the spirit has got to percolate through your mind and through your will and through your emotion. And when it goes through that process, you're going to wake up one day and the very thing you've been praying for has come to pass. Oh, praise God in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands and magnify him. Thank you, Lamb of God. Thank you, Lamb of God. Thank you, Lamb of God. Hallelujah. And so, just like, the, just like the, the photons come through the eyes and travel through the optic nerve and then are projected in the brain, so the promises of God are there. Yeah. They're yours. Yes, they but they got, to, they got to translate from the Spirit This is why the devil attacks you in your soul. This is where the problem lies. Jesus fought with beasts in the wilderness. There are beasts in the wilderness that want to turn you into someone you're not, make you think something about God that is not true. But the Jesus that we serve defeated the beasts. Paul fought with beasts at Ephesus. Some of you are fighting with beasts at school, beasts at work, beasts in the neighborhood, beasts among family members. But don't despair because God will bring you through your wilderness. You see, in the spirit realm, knowledge is perfect and immediate. But in the wilderness, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Our knowledge of our earthly, our, on earth our knowledge is gonna be limited. Our, we can't see the future. We can't see everything clearly. We look through a glass, darkly. So God begins with our spirit. And he, and he, he opens the gate of the spirit when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. And now you're a citizen of two worlds. And you recognize that the spirit world promises you uh, healing and deliverance and prosperity and blessing. And you're wondering where it is in your physical. Where is it in your... I'm not experiencing it. Chances are somewhere in your mind and in your will or in your emotion, the enemy has come. You didn't do it. You didn't do it purposely. He comes in there and he says, ah, God does that for others, but he doesn't do that for you. (laughs) First the promise, then the wilderness, then the promised land. In that order. First the promise. When God said that land was Abraham's, it was Abraham's. By virtue of the title deed of God's own word, he could swear by none greater, so he swore by himself. It was his. First the promise, then the wilderness, then you enter into the promised land. God's plan isn't just to give you everything for nothing. He wants something out of this deal. What does he want? He wants some wood, some silver, some gold, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Mm. He wants servants, just like my wife talked about. You gotta be doing something. Okay. It's still yours. It's yours by faith, yours by promise, yours by the word of God. We just gotta let it sink through us. We gotta assimilate it through that barrier between the spirit and the physical world around us is that soulish man where the enemy enters and tries to obstruct and abort and, and obfuscate. It was 20 years from the time David was anointed to be king until he was installed as king. What was in between? The wilderness of church Hurt. The wilderness of other anointed men, or man, Saul, who was on a mission from hell to destroy him. If that isn't church hurt, I don't know what is. Let me tell you something. If you feel like going to church, you're going to get you assassinated, don't go there. But David said, one day I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. You see... The enemy comes into your wilderness and convinces you of things that are not true about your future or about you. Is this okay? For Israel, it was a wilderness of generational idolatry. Moses is having the most glorious encounter with God that a man could ever have. This side of Calvary, that side of Calvary, he comes down with tablets of, of, of stone written by the very finger of God. They hear music in the distance. What's the sound? Well, it's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. Well, it's the sound of idolatry. Lo and behold... They're worshiping one of the gods of Egypt. We had hardly gotten out of the, we had out of the place. And they, you can get the boy out of Egypt, but sometimes it's the devil to get the devil out of the boy. And so here they are worshiping this golden calf and Moses calls his brother into account. What is this that's going on here? And, it, and it's always an explanation. There's an explanation for everything. What do you want to do that's sinful? You can find a church that'll say you can do it, okay? That's a fact. And Marion and says, I, I just threw in gold and I'll pop the calf. You know what it was? Generational idolatry. You know what it was? You don't spend 400 years in an idolatrous land that you don't pick up some real bad habits that are transmitted from father to son to grandchild down the line. But God is in the, that's why they couldn't just go straight into the promised land. We got to get that generational idolatry out. You're gonna know something by the time you come out of here that there is no other God but one. And anything else that calls itself a God is a false God. And if there's somebody here that's been raised by people that practice seances or Ouija boards or witchcraft or incantations or spells, did you know there's an epidemic of witchcraft in America that is one of the fastest growing movements in our country in the name of Jesus? Somebody may have been affected by that here, but, but let me say this. You don't have to despair because the God that brought Israel out of Egypt can bring anybody out of anything. I feel a liberator in this place. Oh, I feel deliverance in this house. Come on, Job went into his wilderness. Wilderness of what? Wilderness of primal fear. The thing that I feared the most has come upon me. I love my, you remember Gabe? Remember, 50 years old. She was a beautiful lady. She was my, I don't want to say, she was one of my favorite aunts. Be kind I used to work for her. She was a taskmaster. She said when she got cancer, she said, I was afraid to ever say the word. And when she hears the word and says the word, it's out of her own mouth because she's got a diagnosis. By the time she was diagnosed, it was just months. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about primal fear that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. I want to say something. If fear has tried to track you and dog you and stall you and intimidate you and hinder you, you remember this, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, is there a spirit of power in this place? Let me hear it. Is there soundness of mind? Let me hear it. For Paul the Apostle, it was a demonic tracking device, an attacker. He called it he didn't say the messengers of satan are after me he said the messenger he knew who was after him and it was a messenger it was some people say it was a sickness it was a messenger some people say it was oh he was almost blind it was a messenger Well, what power does a messenger have unless something about his message is true? Do you know the devil will use the truth about you against you if he gets half a chance to do it? Do you know there are some things the devil accuses you of that are true that you can't deny? Well, what do you do? What could it be? Well, maybe it was something like this. Ha! You killed dozens of others, amen, that were worshiping this Jesus, and now you think you're going to worship him yourself? Ha ha! Some kind of preacher. You are! What do you do when what he says about you is true? Do what Jesus told him to do. My gracious, sufficient My When the devil accuses you of something you know you've done, don't deny it. Appeal to the blood of Jesus. His grace. His grace. His grace. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. This ought to revolutionize your prayer life. It ought to revolutionize your philosophy of how to live. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, Paul's remedy was grace. Some, the answer to somebody's trouble is grace. Not, you don't need to get smarter, you just need to get humble, and you need to, and you need to pray for mercy and forgiveness. I want us to stand. Oh my God. And so God wants to bring you out of the land of if into the realm of it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Permit the promises of God to get past the barrier of skepticism or disappointment, or logic. Some of you are so smart that the the Word of God can't make sense to you. Allow the foolishness of preaching to reach you. Some of the greatest words in your vocabulary are monosymbolic. They're not supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. There come <laughs> there thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There it is high. Oh my God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Does somebody needs some grace. Does somebody does somebody need the promise to get through? your mind, your will, and your emotion so it can come into physical reality for you, I want you to come up here. If you're waiting on God for a promise, but you're not in your promised land yet, come on. You're just in the wilderness. Jesus was there. Moses was there. Paul was there. I'm there. We come and go. In the name of Jesus, let's come and pray and touch him right here in this altar.